This morning I got a good word for you guys, and it's um, finishing up our Zesty series. You guys been getting enough of the Zesty life? Yeah? You guys, I was throwing soap at you guys and all that, right? And having fun with that. But um, one of the things that Paul ends with today in the book of Romans, because Paul is the best of the zest, the zest of the best. He's the man, he's the Apostle Paul, and he was fired up, and he really just single-handedly made such a difference in getting the message of Jesus Christ out there to the rest of the world. And he kind of gives us some examples, but in the last chapter of his letter to the Roman church, he makes an example, he makes a point of saying, look, I've taught you guys all about what it is to live the Christian life, and here's how you become Christians, and you should live an abundant life because of Jesus. And remember, it's simply Jesus. It's not about how well and good of a person you are, knowing the laws and religion and all that. It's just, just know Jesus. The guy that went to the cross is the boss. You get that straight? Everything else works out. Amen? And so he talks all about that and how to live the Christian life and use your gifts and, and, and listen to the Holy Spirit and, and all of this good stuff. This is what it is in a nutshell to be a Christian. The whole of our faith, Romans, like no other book in the Bible, explains everything that there really is to know about Christianity. But then he ends it by making a statement that says, and when you do it, make sure that you do it together. Is that Christianity takes teamwork. He makes a big point, and today's message on support the team is really all about teamwork. So I want to do something here this morning to kind of make it a little bit more of an interactive type of experience for you guys. We're gonna, I'm going to ask for your guys' participation. Are you guys ready for that right now? You guys came to 9 a.m. service, and you're like, oh no, what do I have to do? But I don't always like church to be just come, sit down, listen, go home. Right? If we're not doing anything about it, why are we even here? Right? Are we just here to feel good and get some more knowledge about God? No, it's, it's not about that. It's about life change. So I'm going to ask you guys to, to kind of uh, put your money where your mouth is this morning. We're going to get into it a little bit. So can I ask you guys to help me with this exercise really quick? Are you guys ready? Feeling zesty? All right, let's do this. Here's what I want you to do. Very simple. Find one other person right now to be your partner in something we're about to do. So everybody in the room... Just find one other person next to you. Whether you know them or not, just say, okay, we got this. We're in this together. Here we go. Find a person. Everybody got one? Some of you guys are sitting there like, don't talk to me. No one will notice. Right? Come on. We come to church for life change, right? We come to get a little uncomfortable because uncomfortability spurs us on to new action and new growth. Amen? So find a partner right now, right next to you. Everybody got a partner? Everybody better have one. Look around you. Make sure that nobody's over there with the bulletin like I'm just reading. I'm reading really intently right now. Everybody's got to have a partner, okay? Everybody's got one. Not three, not four, just you and one other person. Got it? Yeah, because you guys are hiding in your family. Let's just do this together. We don't know anybody. We don't want to. I want you. We're talking about team today. So find a partner. Okay, here's what you got to do. Next set of directions. Real simple. Ask that other person. What is one thing that you need God to do in your life right now? And if you're that other person, you ask that person. What's one thing? Okay, don't preach a sermon. Don't go into your life's history. Just, hey, what's one thing that you're praying that God would do in your life right now? About your job, about your relationships, about whatever. Share that between the two of you. I'll give you a couple minutes.
Okay, everybody's about done. Everybody, each of you shared one thing you need some help with right now in life, right? Okay, here's, here's a little more interactive what we're gonna do. We're talking about team here today. We're talking about the fact that Jesus said, if we have any shot at reaching this world for him, loving this world, making a difference, bringing other people onto the team, it starts with the home team. It starts with us loving one another. It says in John 13, 35, Jesus said, your love for one another... That means Christians for other Christians will prove to the world that you're my disciples. See, the fact that if we're trying to reach people with the love of Jesus and, and offer them something that they don't have, it's got to look good to them. They've got to see it at work in our life. And the way that we love each other and support the home team, the family of God, the body of Christ, is going to determine how effective we are to reaching the rest of the world. It's just real plain and simple. So as we just shared a need that we each have, here's what I want you to do next is the Bible many places says one of the ways that we support one another when we are uh, lifting up our requests to God and we're praying for one another, one of the things it gives us to do uh, physically symbolically to show that we're coming alongside and we're offering support and we're asking the blessing of God and for God to touch our lives is we lay hands on other people, okay? It's gonna get a little personal right now. Why don't you take your hand and put it on your friend's shoulder that you're gonna be praying for. Okay, just shoulder, let's keep it clean, keep it safe. Let's not be too intrusive now, just maybe just a finger, you know, whatever. Some of you guys, this is hard. You're breaking out of this like Lone Ranger status and you have to like actually love someone. Put your hand on their shoulder, just that person that you're praying for. And this is what we're going to do. Some of you are freaking out right now. I'm not going to make you pray out loud for that other person. That might be a little bit too much right now. Some of you guys, no problem. I'll pray for hours. But some of you guys, this is a stretch right now. But I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray because we're a team. And I'm going to lift up all of our problems to our head coach that can take care of all the problems that are on our team right now. And as I pray and lead us in a group prayer, I want you to be purposely praying that one request that your partner just gave you. I'm going to pray for all of us, but you in your head and your heart are lifting up to God that person's one need. You don't have to speak. I'll I'll pray, but we're just going to do that. Can we do that right now? Let's bow our heads. Father God, in Jesus' name, we are a team. We are a family, Lord. We're your kids. You're our father. You love us, and you tell us that life works out better when we're, we're acting like a team and loving one another. In fact, we're more effective in reaching this world when the world sees how good it is that we love each other. So, Lord, sometimes we fall out of that, and we get into speaking negative words, or we get into being Lone Ranger, or thinking we can handle it on our own. But, Lord, that's not what we want to do right now, right here. Lord, we want to take advantage of the team. And so, Lord, as we lift up all of these prayers that are going out, we are each specifically thinking of that one prayer that we just heard. And we are praying that, Lord, in Jesus' name right now in this church, on this team, Lord, we are praying for healing. We're praying for restoration. We're praying for abundance. We're praying for resourcing. We're praying for love. We're praying for relationships. We're praying for finances. We're praying for health issues. We're praying for whatever it is, Lord, that's on our heart that that person just shared with us. In Jesus' name, let it come to pass. Lord, we believe you. We ask in faith, Lord, that it's nothing that we can do, but we offer it to a mighty living God that loves to give good gifts to his kids. So right now, Father God, we lift up these petitions, these prayers, these lives of our family members. Lord, we realize we're going to be together for all of eternity, and we need to start acting like family and like team. So right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray for our brothers and sisters right here that you would meet their needs, that you would answer their prayers, that you would do what would be best for their life and their circumstance in your timing and in your way. Father, we lift this up and we claim this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. All right, give that person a high five right there. They just prayed for you. That's cool. And you prayed for them. And here's what I want you to do to take it one step further. Would you remember every day this week to lift up specifically that one prayer request for that one other person? And let's see what God can begin to do as we begin to commit this. It's all about being a team, isn't it? Doesn't that feel good? See, some of you guys, like, literally... We're freaked out about that. You're like, what is he going to make us do? Someone's touching me right now. Some of you guys are like, oh, they're touching me. But I kind of like it. It's kind of good. <laughs> See, we need each other. And the, the word that I have for you guys today is that, that we need teamwork, that Christianity works best when we're living as a team. Um, I prayed this the other day. I started my studies on, on Thursday. Thursday is usually my study day for the weekend sermons. We, we start the process earlier in the week. Tuesday, we get, get all the preaching pastors together, and we evaluate whoever preached on the weekend and how the announcements went. And we, we, try to, we try to skill and coach each other to be better. And it's not critical. It's like positive you know, like feedback and how we can work on our game and sharpen up. And we come and we pray, and we talk about kind of the idea for the sermon this coming weekend and where we're going. We begin to pray into it, and we begin to gather ideas and stuff. And so then Wednesday, we work on it a little more. More, but Thursday is the day that the preaching pastor really blocks out. And what I recommend, like me, Tom, Brad, we all try to get away from the church office because you're going to get distracted by all the other things. So Thursday, as I stay at home, my kids are at school, my wife's at work, everyone else is at the church, and I get to just pray and I get to just begin to seek and put together the message. So as I was doing that this week, I kind of knew already where I was going. I want to talk about Romans 16, and I, what I see there is teamwork modeled out in the life of Paul. And what he's calling us to do is support the team and protect the team. Don't let anybody break up the team and what the team believes, the, the, the word of God and what Jesus gave us. And as I was praying, I prayed this. God, I want to make sure that when I preach any message on the stage, whenever, any of our, our pastors that preach up here, that we want to preach from the heart, not just from the mind. We don't want to ever deliver messages that are just giving information away because that's not what it's all about. It's not about information transfer. It's about life change. And so for me to be able to preach to you guys, I have to own it myself. and I have to be passionate about it myself. So I'm, I'm praying. God, I know my team and I, and I love the body of Christ and I love the people in my life that you've put on my team and, and Christians everywhere. I, I gain stuff from them. But I want to really own it. Holy Spirit, would you show me how valuable my team is and who my team is. I know there's a lot of people, but would you make it real to me? I just pray that in Jesus' name. And so I prayed that and I started to work on the studies. I opened the Bible and I started to study and suddenly I, I started getting some, some texts. I get a text from my wife and she's saying, oh, can you do this, da, 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 whatever. And then she's like, hey, I love you. And she always sends me my favorite, which is the little smiley kiss face with the heart. You guys know which one? The emoticon, the emoji. You guys, anybody? Anybody get that from a loved one? I love that little smiley face, kiss heart, whatever thing that is. That's my favorite thing for my wife. But I was like looking at that. I'm like, okay, I got to study. And like, oh, I'm getting all of this. And oh, but I love that little thing. It's so cute. You know, and I just love, I'm just grateful for my wife. But I'm like, okay, back to my studies. I got to get going on. Then I get a text or something from Tom, Pastor Tom, right? Didn't he do a good job last week on like living a life worth imitating? That was good. So I'm thinking about that as I'm studying and I'm just like blessed by Tom and I start thinking how valuable he is to me in my life. I met him when I was like 13, 14 years old and we've been through some, some mountaintop experiences together and we've been through some valleys together. And last year when I was out because I was working on stuff in my personal life with the Lord and family and just, just taking some time off that sabbatical, Tom stepped up. And the, the church staff stepped up, but Tom stepped up and he, he went to bat for me. You know, he is the, he is the Samwise Gamgee to my Frodo Baggins. You guys hearing me? 
literally that's he's the man and so I was thinking I was just appreciating Tom but I'm like man that's good I'm getting a couple texts I'm like okay let's let's get in the word here I gotta I gotta study why is everybody texting and calling me on my study day that always happens right then I get this other text from a friend in Missouri a pastor my friend Jay and he he just kind of said hey you've been on my mind and my heart lately and I just felt led to pray for you so I've been praying for you hope you're doing okay I said yeah man thank you I can always use prayer but let me study you know like all of these texts just start flying in then I get a text from my our men's pastor Lance Lasconia he's a champion we love him don't we come on man but he uh he sends me scripture as he often does and some encouraging words and he he modified the scripture to be for Carl and for Hope Chapel and it was just this is good stuff you know and so I'm getting that text and then I get from another friend of mine uh, Lance, who's run, another Lance, he's running the soundboard back there. He sends me this, this YouTube video. Hey, when you get a chance in my devotions this morning or watch this, you should watch it. I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone's texting me, sending me videos. I'm trying to be in the word of God. Let me do my job, right? And he sends me this, this thing to watch and it's a, a video uh, with, pa- with clips from the Passion of the Christ, but it's an amazing worship song by Christy Knuckles. Grace Falls Down, is that it, the name of it? And I was watching that. I'm like, okay, I'll watch it, you know, just to tell him I could do it. But I watch it, and I was just like super moved. And I literally was like kind of tearing up and crying because anytime you watch The Passion of the Christ and then you hear a song that just brings you into the heart of what Jesus did for you, you're just like, oh my gosh. So I text back, thanks for ruining me right now. But honestly, thank you for focusing me on what my life and this message and what my job is all about, the love of Jesus Christ. And I was like, whoa, this is heavy. And somewhere along the line, as I'm getting bothered by all these texts and videos, I start to realize, wait a minute, God actually is answering the prayer that I just prayed earlier on here. I thought I was getting bothered by all these people who are trying to interrupt my time of studying. When I said, Holy Spirit, show me who my team is and show me the value of having team members in my life, the body of Christ. And all these people in their separate ways were, were reminding me of what I have. And then someone calls me. This is all like within an hour. Someone calls me I haven't talked to in over a year or two lives out on the west side and just said, hey, I miss you. And would you pray for me? I'm going into surgery this week on my hand. I got something going on. Would you just pray for me? And so I got a chance to now be team to that guy and to love on him and to pray for him and to bless him and to make his day. Then someone else Facebook messaged me, right? While I'm trying to study, bing, this thing pops up. Ah! And it's this girl from our church and she's just going, hey, thank you for what you do. You, you know, that God is saving people's lives and changing lives through you and your ministry. Uh, my friend got saved in church. She's fired up on God. She's moving soon, and she wants to make sure that she could get baptized by you. Can we set that thing up? And I'm just like, yeah, sure. But how encouraging is that to hear that you're doing something that's helping change people's lives, and people value you, and I'm being super blessed. And finally, here's the last thing I get. My friend sends me this um, video on YouTube that's... Um, supposedly to do with leadership. And I don't know if you guys have seen this one. I don't know how viral this one is or not. But basically, it's someone filming on their phone. They're at this outdoor concert, music concert, and it's on this grassy hillside. And there's a bunch of people out on blankets hanging out. They're just listening to the music and everybody's just kind of cruising, kind of mellow. But there's one dude that's just wearing shorts. He's like all naked except for just these little shorts. And he stands up and he just starts going. He starts, yeah, just like dancing, like super weird, right? And to the point where everybody's filming them on their phone. How's this one guy, you know? We're just trying to watch a concert and this weirdo's over here. And the whole thing is like on leadership, how it takes one to step out from the rest and do this thing. So what happens next is some other guy comes down because he thinks it's funny. So he starts like dancing with the guy, you know? He starts going at it. I'm watching this. I'm like, how is this supposed to be good? Why is the guy sending this to me, right? And then what happens is another group of people run up and they think it's fun and cool. And they all start doing stuff and somersaults and cartwheels and just dancing weird. And then literally within the length of this video, like two and a half minutes, 
the entire hillside of people all just start rushing in, supporting this. The whole hillside is just dancing and freaking out and acting weird and doing all this stuff. And then the song ends and everybody's just like, yeah, they're just all excited, enthusiastic. I'm like, what is this for? And he just writes this. He goes, hey, Carl, I love this video. I think it'd be cool. Just know that the rest of the hill is dancing with you. And I was just like, oh, that's heavy, yeah? And here's what happened. I said, Holy Spirit, Show me the value of team. Show me who my team is. And within an hour, I got like eight different messages from my team, my church, the body of Christ, showing me why it's so important to have those kind of relationships in our life. Our Christianity, fulfilling the purposes of God and loving and serving him and loving this world around us is strengthened and made that much stronger because he's put us on an amazing team. See, my word for you guys today is Christianity takes teamwork. And so you got to do your part, support the team, and to protect the team. To, to put it a little clearer like this, a team is defined by this, a group of people that shares a common purpose. But honestly, I think it's a little bit more than just a group of people with common purpose. I believe it takes a little bit of effort. I believe it takes a little bit of learning the strengths and the weaknesses of the other team players, learning your position, getting involved in playing, and strengthening the other team members to become better than they are individually so that the team together can be stronger than any individual. Does that make sense? Look, look at this perfect example that I found on the internet. You guys might have noticed this before. Can I show you this picture? Look at this picture really quick. Not that one, this one. You guys know what that is? It's birds. Good, thank you. It's not that hard, right? One person... Birds, yes, it's, it's geese, right? It's birds, they're flying, and they're flying in V formation. And I found this really cool article about why they fly in the V, in the v formation. And this is what it says about, about teamwork and the example of geese. It says, when you see geese flying along in V formation, you might consider what science has discovered as to why they fly that way. As each bird flaps its wings, it's actually creating uplift for the bird immediately following it. By flying in formation, the whole flock decreases wind resistance by 65% and adds at least 71% greater flying range than if each bird flew on its own. People who share a common direction and sense of community can get where they're going more quickly and easily because they're traveling on the strength of one another. Another benefit to the V formation is that it's easy to keep track of every bird in the group. Flying in formation helps with communication and coordination within the group. When a goose falls out of formation, it suddenly feels the drag and the resistance of trying to go it alone, and it quickly gets back into formation to take advantage of the lifting power of the bird in front. If we have as much sense as a goose, we will stay in formation with those people who are headed the same way we are. Is this cool? It says, when the head goose gets tired, because he's the one that's not getting any of the uplift, right? It says, when he gets tired, it, ro- it rotates back in the wing, and another goose flies point. It makes sense to take turns doing demanding jobs, whether with people or with geese flying south. Geese also, this is interesting, will honk from behind to encourage those up front to keep up their speed. (laughs) See how many of us, you know, we we get honked at or we need to honk at others. Um, And it says, finally, this is important. When a goose gets sick or is wounded by gunshot and falls out of formation, Two other geese fall out with that goose and follow it down to lend help and protection. They stay with the fallen goose until it is able to fly or until it dies. And only then do they launch out on their own to find another formation to catch up with their group. We can learn a thing or two from geese. Isn't that good? That's pretty cool, right? But see, that's, that's a team. That's a team that we're on. Is that when we became Christians, 
We know that salvation happens through us and a relationship with Jesus alone, right? We don't get saved because other people work to get, you know, they help lead us, but really it's only Jesus. But when we become Christians, we don't just become, like the Bible could have described it in any way. The Bible could have used terms like, uh, we're just co-workers, right? There's places where we, we read that in scripture. We're co-workers together. Or it could have used things like, we're God's army. We're just all soldiers together. But I love the fact that the Bible in so many places talks about when you become a Christian, it's not just you and Jesus and some other people. It's family. And God is our father and we have brothers and sisters. And these are eternal brothers and sisters. And we need to get along and love each other in such a way that those outside of the family of God will be drawn to the family of God so that they can become the family of God. Amen? Because Jesus, the way he lived his life, and he lived and he loved people with such intensity and with such participation in the team that the notorious sinners and tax collectors and everybody out there were like, how do I get to join your team? Because your team looks good. And we're not going to be of any effect to the rest of the world around us until we can prove that we have something that's worth, a team that's worth joining. And so that's what we're going to talk about today because the problem is in our lives, we don't always take advantage of the team. A lot of us sitting in church, we may have gone to church for years and years, but we don't really take advantage of the team around us. Maybe some of us say, well, I know a couple people at church and that's good. Some of us are like, I don't really need too many people. I come, I get the message, I get worship, and I'm, I live a pretty good life. I don't need all these other people. I don't want to be vulnerable with people. I don't, I'm good. I'm doing okay. Well, the reality is we are not taking advantage of what's available. I read the, the prayer request cards every week. All the ones we fill out here, I read them. I get the list, and I go through, and I pray for you guys, and the staff does, and other people on the prayer team do. And so I read them, and a lot of times what I see is the requests that people are making to the church and asking God, you know, lift these things up to God for them. Um, a lot of them, I read between the lines, is, is the fact that some of these people just need other people in their lives. They're not really taking advantage of the team, that their only source of someone joining with them would be a simple prayer request by people that's impersonal on the prayer team, and hopefully someone else is praying for them. And I read between the lines, and I realize that there's a lot of isolation. There's a lot of Christians out there that aren't taking advantage of, they probably wouldn't even be needing to write this prayer request and give it to the church if they had some people in their life that they were doing life with that were resourcing them and helping meet these needs, that the problem can also be just solved in itself when God allows us to let other people into our lives and they can work with us. And some of those problems wouldn't even need to be a prayer request to the church because there's people already moving in their life. Am I making sense here? I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. But the point I'm trying to say is no one's a Lone Ranger Christian. No one's supposed to be isolated from the team. When you look around just in this one service right here, not even our whole church, Look at how many potential people there are to help you and to bless you in your life if you'd actually open yourselves up and become part of the team. And so that's what we're going to talk about is that the Bible, I believe in, in Romans 16, what the Apostle Paul is saying is be a team player. Take advantage of the community around you that God has placed in your life. See, in Romans, this is what's cool. Romans, the book of Romans, which was a letter to the Roman church where Paul hadn't been yet, but he knew a lot of folks and, and he wanted to come out there and he wanted to bless this church and let them know about Jesus. So he writes this letter that basically summarizes all of Christianity, all that we need to know, the simplicity of knowing Jesus, how to get along with other people, how to live a life that's honorable, all that stuff that we talked about, you know, and he, he gives us a, a full overview of Christianity. But I believe he specifically ends chapter 16 or the last of his letter by giving us an example that basically says, and when you do all of this, 
you do it best when you do it together as a team. And because you're all headed in this direction and you are a team, don't let anybody mess up your team. Don't let anybody screw up the team because together we're a force to be reckoned with in this world. We can change this world around us as we get together and we're in it and we embrace one another. But don't let anybody come in there and try to mess things up. And and here's the reason I know that Paul's trying to make this example. He writes all these other letters all these other books of the Bible, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, to all these other churches. But he usually ends all of his letters with, hey, and may the grace of God and the the peace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Love each other, be good to one another, peace out, basically, right? In summarization, he just kind of ends it generally speaking. But in the book of Romans, in the 16th chapter, he specifically names 36 individuals that are his friends and teammates. And he's telling the Roman church, hey, if you see this person, Phoebe, make sure you honor her and love her. She did a lot to help me in the ministry. And, and these other people, and he goes on and he names all these other people, Priscilla and Aquila, hey, bless them, um, blessings on them, be good to them. They risked their lives with me. And these other people, they went to prison with me. And he lists name by name by name. And, and you Usually you read the book of Romans and you go, oh, that's just the chapter of Paul naming his friends. It's not a big deal. I think Paul specifically is trying to say, these are my people. This is what I want you to model your lives after. Be a team. I know at least 36 people by name that I'm naming here, who they are and what they did. Say hi to this guy. And you, would you make sure you say hi to his mom too? Because she was like a mother to me. That's what it says in these verses. That there's all these people from different walks of life. And Paul is trying to teach us, appreciate the team that's around you. People do different things for you. There's all different people in different walks of life. But as I read this and I go, wow, Paul had amazing friends. I realize this. You have to be a friend to have friends. That in order for Paul to list 36 names, he had to be the friend to them. Because some of these people literally risked their life for him. They're put in prison with him. They open up their houses in hospitality for him. He knew them like family members, like brothers. Like that woman was like a mom to me. He appreciated these people. But in order to receive that love, you got to be a person that gives that love. Are you guys hearing me? That means we got to embrace our team. we got to be a team player. We don't just come to Christianity and go, it's me and God and everybody else is just there, but I, as long as I'm good with him. Well, that brings you salvation, but God designed it so that those other people could speak into your life. How many of you guys know that the Holy Spirit, one of his main nicknames in scripture is the helper? Jesus said, I will send you the helper, right? Well, I believe this, as the Holy Spirit helps us by working through other members of the team, of the family of God. See, he gives us spiritual gifts that aren't for us. They're for us to give away and to bless the other members of the body. And so if I want the Holy Spirit moving in my life, there's times he's gonna speak to me personally and do things in my life. But there's also times that he's going, I'm using the family of God with all of their gifts and their variety and their personality and their experiences to speak into your life and to better you. And so I want you, Carl, to do the same to everybody else. So it's teamwork, but you got to be a friend to have friends. Now look at Paul's friends. He lists them in scripture. It's a long chapter with all these different names. But on the list, he's speaking to friends that are Romans, Greeks, Jews, Gentiles, men, women. Some people are rich. Some people are poor. Some people are prisoners. Some people are leaders, some people are servants, is that Paul actually utilized all members of the team. See, a good thing about teamwork, if you want to be on a good team, you got to realize this, a good team goes beyond cliques. A good team goes beyond cliques, because some of us, we're involved with our Christian friends, and it's been in your mini church, you and those three people for like 18 years, and that's it, right? And that's cool, and that's great to have those friends, but 
get out there and see the rest of the world, guys. <laughs> there are a bunch of people in the family of God in this room that are so different, but they offer different ways to bless you and to be a part of your life and to, as iron sharpens iron, build you up. And not only that, because too many times we think of team and it's like, I better be friends because what can people do for me? But don't forget that there's people that are out there waiting for you to be involved in their life and to sharpen them up. There's people that are just waiting for you to embrace the team. And so in, in order for us to be the best team, it's got to go beyond clicks. We offer all these services, all these conferences, women's conference. I heard you had a good one yesterday, right? Women, come on, ladies. Yeah, you guys are, huh? All right, all right. It's good. You got to come to the 11 a.m. service, see how loud those guys get. But we offer conferences, we offer camps, we offer events, we offer mini churches. The whole goal is that God's put you on an incredible team. Take advantage of the team. Just because someone doesn't look like you or they're older than you or they're different from you doesn't mean that they don't have something incredible and important and valuable to add into your life. And Paul goes, I have friends in all these places. They've all blessed my life. So we embrace our team. We get in there. If you don't embrace them, you don't understand the benefit of team. Let me read you this article I was reading. I was reading an article about... Um, Magic Johnson. Any LA Lakers fans in the, in the house? Richie, I know you're fired up, right? I told you I was going to talk about your team. LA Lakers, Magic Johnson, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, right? People are fired up. That's good. Well, it, it says this about Magic Johnson. He was talking to coach uh, Pat Riley. And Pat Riley's going, man, you're, you're an amazing player, but you're also such a good team player. How did you come to be like that? And Magic said, he told him that even as his teams early on were winning one championship after another, he would look around to share his joy, but his teammates did not feel the same joy. In fact, they looked miserable. And Magic told that he was always the biggest and the best, and his coaches told him, when you get the ball, just shoot. Just shoot, because he could make shots. But this made his teammates feel like nobodies. He didn't want it to be this way. Magic recognized the human need to share success with one another outweighed any individual reward. As Magic grew with the LA Lakers, he became known for his unselfish play and making his teammates better. As the team connected and started working together, they were able to enjoy the benefits of teamwork, which included winning five NBA championship titles. The LA Lakers during the 1980s were truly part of something greater than any one individual player's strengths alone. Is that a good word? That when you understand and embrace that we come to church sometimes, we're like, no, I'm good. I got a good walk with God. I don't need to let anybody else in. Well, then you're only going to be that good. But when you work together with the strengths and you embrace the team and you participate, you get to know one another. You tell people your story and you find out as you listen that other people have pretty incredible stories as well. And you start to work together on those strengths and weaknesses. Man, together we are so much more powerful than any one individual alone. Are you guys hearing me this morning? It's about the team and supporting the team. But along with supporting the team, we need to recognize this, that we have to protect the team. The team is good and you need to protect it at all costs. Paul actually says this in Romans 16, verses 17 and 19. And look at these verses. They're going to come up on the screen right here. It says, and now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. When anybody finishes off a long letter and they say, hey, I got one last super important thing to tell you. That's kind of when you go, whoa, 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 whoa what, what's that? What's the last thing? Remember Jesus' last famous words? Hey, one last thing I got to tell you guys. And you go out into all the world, make disciples of all men. The Great Commission. His last words he left with us. But Paul is saying, hey, to you, my friends, my, my Roman brothers and sisters, one more thing, pay attention. Listen to what he says. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them. One last thing I need to tell you guys, you're a team. Don't let anybody mess up the team. 
Don't let anybody break up the team. Don't let anybody break up the band. Let's stay together. Come on, guys. He's like making this last appeal. Protect the team. And honestly, a lot of us, we love the team. We value the team. But we let stuff happen to the team. And we kind of, we don't want to rock the boat. So we kind of let it, let it happen. We let people on the team say things. And it brings a little division. We're kind of like, well, if I ignore it, maybe it'll go away. I don't want to make a big deal. I don't want to cause drama. Paul is saying, you know what? If you love the team and you value the team and you're a team player, stand up for the team. Would you protect the team? Would you make sure that nobody comes in and does anything to divide the team? He says, such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They're serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. And this makes me very happy. He's, he's, he's bragging on them. But I want you to be wise in doing right and stay innocent of any wrong. And the word innocent there, originally in the original Greek language, it's not just saying innocent. It's saying be pure, be unmixed. Stay together in what you know about Jesus and the way of life you're called to live, loving one another. If someone tries to come in and mix it up and bring gossip or division or lies or slander or teach other beliefs or doctrines other than what you know about Jesus, hey, stay away from those kind of people. He goes, watch out for those kind of people. Protect the team at all costs. It's like this in family. Anybody, anybody got kids in the room here? You got kids? If someone tries to mess with your kids, you know it's on, right? <laughs> Nobody messes with your kids. And it's like, you know, I think, and I read in, in the paper of some of the terrible crimes that are committed towards little kids, and I get mad because I start thinking of my kids, if someone did that to my kids. I hate to say it, but I think my Christianity might take a little rest, and I might just do whatever is necessary in that moment. And I don't like to think those thoughts, but it's the fact that I love my kids so much, I'm going to protect them. You don't get to come in and you don't get to mess with them. You don't do any of that stuff. And I hope that doesn't sound bad. I'm not saying I'm an evil person, but it's so strong that I'm going to protect my kids. And Paul is trying to say, the people he's put in your life that God has that are your Christian brothers and sisters, they're going to be with you for all of eternity. They're here to sow into your life and for you to bless their life. Make sure you protect that. Make sure that you don't let anybody come alongside and screw anybody up and create division within the body of Christ and within the team. Protect, fight for unity, go down for that. That's your, your family. In Titus 3, 9 and 11, he's, Paul's again speaking in a different letter to his, his disciple Titus. He says, do not get involved in foolish discussions and spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. He says, if people are causing divisions among you, give a first and a second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. And if you remember, as Paul is saying this, he's actually going back to what Jesus said back in Matthew 18. If someone's kind of trying to bring division and hurt the team and they're sinning against you, he goes, make sure you deal with that thing right away. Too many times we get the whole like, nah, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to say anything. We'll just let it go. A lot of times we soup it under the rug and it just grows bigger and it comes out later and it's a lot worse. And what God is trying to say through Jesus, through Paul, is protect the team, deal with the problems, say something. Jesus said, if someone's sinning against you, go personally in love, privately, and say, hey man, you're kind of off base a little bit. You know, that's wrong. You're hurting the team. You're hurting me. We need, to, we need to fix that. I love you, but that's wrong. It says, if they still won't listen to you, go back again with some more team members. Come back with other Christians. Go, look, together, we're all in this together. What you're doing here, it's hurting the team. It's not so good. You gotta change. If the person still doesn't wanna change, Take it before the church leaders. Hopefully you get some spiritual authority to speak into their life and go, this is wrong. This is not good. You need to stop. You're hurting the team. 
They still don't want to listen. You know what Jesus said? It kind of sounds harsh until you look at it. He says, then just treat them like an outsider, like a pagan or a tax collector. But here's the irony in that. Jesus is not necessarily saying, kick them out, hate them, take revenge, gossip on them, and don't let them ever come to church again. You realize that Jesus is saying these words, treat them like a tax collector. And the guy writing this book was Matthew, who was a tax collector. So what he's saying is you still give them the open door and you still offer them grace and truth and love, but don't let them get in deep enough to hurt the team. You protect the team. Are you guys hearing me? That there's sometimes when we have to deal with one another and it's worth it to have that hard talk because we have to protect the team. See, I believe that Pastor Tom said something really cool last week when he said, um, avoid unnecessary drama. Wasn't that a good statement that he made? But see, I believe the opposite is also true, is that there is a time and a place to embrace the necessary drama. And that when there is division in the church, in the big church, not just this church, but in Christianity and on our team, that people are bringing in division or gossip or lies or slander or things like that that's gonna tear down the church and the people in it, you gotta embrace the necessary drama in that time. It, we're, we're too much in a culture in Hawaii. They were like, nah, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna shame anybody. I don't wanna like talk to people. But God is saying, do you love your team? Because your team loves you. Are you willing to fight for your team? Because team is bigger than any awkward talk that you have to have. You need to step up. See, I've been in a season in my life recently where uh, part of the reason I went on sabbatical, there's hard stuff happening and there's people flat out lying about me and about our church and about our staff and it hurts, it's slander, it's gossip, it's malicious talk behind our backs. And natural reaction would be duck and cover and just kind of like, oh, I don't want to get into it. I, I, I kind of respect these people. I don't want to, this is bad. I don't like it. It hurts, but I don't want to deal with it. And that's wrong. And God told me, you got to step up. You got to talk to these people about it. So I went and I had the talks. Now the talks of, hey, the first time in love and with tears and everything, you gotta stop. This is wrong. This is proven fact that this is lies and you're gossiping and we should handle it together, not by telling everybody else about it and hurting the team. And you think you make some headway? Doesn't work. You have to go and have another talk again and another talk and do the biblical thing and take it before leadership that's above us. And you know what? Sometimes it still doesn't work, but that doesn't mean that, that we have to slink back and not fight for the team. So I get in there and you got to do what you got to do. And it's at the point where with some people, you just got to say, okay, got to keep distance. I'll pray for you. I love you. I'm not kicking you out completely out of, you know, the world. But what I'm saying here is you're hurting the team and I can't let that happen. And I got to take a stand against that. You're hurting me. You're hurting my family. You're hurting our church. That's not good. It doesn't line up with the word of God and what we're supposed to stand for. So until that time that, that you repent and you come to terms with that stuff, I got to keep you at arm's length. It makes it easy because those people have already like pushed me out of their lives as well. And that's the way it is. But let me tell you this. Sometimes you have to embrace the necessary drama in order to protect the team. Because if you let that go and you let that fester and you let that build, it's like a cancer that takes over. And Jesus is going, you got to put your foot down sooner or later. Are you guys hearing me? That's tough words, and we don't like awkward talks, and we don't like confrontation. And recently I was in a, a situation where people that were feeling hurt by some of us here in the church, and they're, they're in the body of Christ, they're on the team, but they're feeling hurt. Why? Because of assumptions. They had assumptions about us. And sadly enough, we had assumptions about them. And you know why it was broken? Because nobody was communicating, but we were just assuming, and that's wrong. 
And Paul is saying, there's some times when you need to go embrace, you need to ask the hard questions. You need to say the hard things and have the hard talks. And we went and had to sit down face to face with these people. And within about five minutes, already all the assumptions are disappearing. They shared their heart. We shared our heart. Everybody saw how it's miscommunication. We're sorry. We repent. We restored the relationship. We're tighter as team members now than we were before because we're trying to protect the team and we're trying to do the stuff that's drama. It's the hard talk to have, but it's the right talk to have. Are you guys hearing me? I believe a lot of us in our lives, we go through these things, people at work, people in our family, whatever. You gotta have the hard talk. Why? Because you're fighting for the same purpose. You're fighting for something bigger. It's, it's teamwork that we're after, the purposes of Jesus in our life. So sometimes you gotta embrace the necessary drama. I read um, this story about Steve Jobs. Anybody know who Steve Jobs is, that guy? Apple, it's kind of a big deal. Um, as I read this off my Apple iPad too. It's uh, iPad mini. Steve Jobs has a metaphor for teamwork and about embracing the hard stuff, right? When I was a young kid, there was a widowed man who lived up the street. He was in his 80s and he was a little scary looking, but I got to know him a little bit. I think he may have paid me to mow his lawn, but he says, one day he said to me, come into my garage. I want to show you something. He pulled out this dusty old rock tumbler. It was a motor and a coffee can and a little band between them. He said, come with me. We went out to the back and we got some, some rocks from the yard, some regular old ugly rocks. And we put them in the can with a little bit of liquid and a little bit of grit powder. And we closed the can up and he turned this motor on and he said, come back in a few days. And this can was making a crazy racket as all the stones went around. I came back a few days later, we opened up the can And what we took out were these amazingly beautiful polished rocks. The same common stones that had gone in through rubbing against each other like this. He claps his hands together, creating a little bit of friction, creating a little bit of noise had come out, these beautiful polished rocks. And he says, that's always been in my mind. My metaphor for a team working really hard on something they're passionate about. And this is the point. He says, it's that through the team, through that group of incredibly talented people bumping up against each other, having arguments, having fights sometimes, making some noise, but working together as they polish each other and they polish the ideas, what comes out are these beautiful stones or this iPad mini right here, right? (laughs) But you understand that sometimes you have to embrace the necessary drama in order to protect the team and it creates something beautiful. The irritating people in your life and you as an irritating person in their life are actually (laughs) grinding together and polishing one, or one another enough, up enough so that the whole team benefits and is greater than any one of those original bumpy rocks in the first place. Does that make sense? So we got to fight to protect that team and we got to embrace the unnecessary drama. But he says, beware and watch out for comparison. A lot of times in scripture, Paul's letter, he writes in the Corinthians and different places, he says, watch out for comparing people because that divides the team real fast. He says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, he goes, I planted the seed in your hearts about God, but Apollos, my friend and fellow minister, he watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. That means one of the greatest ways that we can divide 
the family of God and divide the team is when we compare teammates to teammates and we compare ourselves to other teammates. We come along and Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. Someone thinks they're doing a good job and you come along and go, yeah, but you should see how so-and-so does it. And you're just like, ah, oh, defeated. I thought I was all right, right? And instantly you drew a line and saying, they're better, you're worse, right? But I also think the other side of it's true. Not only do we tear people down and that's sin, but when we compare, sometimes we puff people up with pride and that's sin too. Because someone comes along and goes, hey, uh, Carl, Pastor Tom's a better preacher than you, right? And someone, oh, that, that hurts me. But when someone comes along and goes, hey, Carl, you're such a better preacher than Pastor Tom. You know what that does? That feeds an unhealthy ego and pride in me that is wrong, that just created division, again, that says there's better and there's worse. What Paul's trying to say is we all just do what we're called to do. We all play a different position on the team. No position is better or gets more glory. Every member of the body works together so the body can work, right? He talks about the eye and the arm and we're all important. We need every part in this body. And I started thinking about that in my life and like, I don't want to compare and we're building this culture around our church. It's so healthy when people come up to me and they go, I don't even care who's preaching because you're all good and I get blessed by all of you. And I said, that is the culture that we're trying to promote around here. That is teamwork at its finest. That is the church being blessed and, and just giving props to whoever is in there using their gift for God. I love that even our worship teams, Pastor Trevor, our worship pastor, he's on vacation in Disneyland right now. But you know who steps up? The other team players. And some of these team players are like 16 and 17 years old and they're leading us into the presence of worship. And I'm blown away and I'm just going, thank you God for my team. None is better, none is worse. We don't compare. We appreciate everyone of the team, the family of Christ that speaks into our lives. Are you guys hearing me this morning? We got to value the team and you learn stuff from all kinds of different people. I went to and did a funeral last weekend in this room and I was thinking, I'm the pastor. I'm going to come in. I got to give some words of comfort and peace and all of this kind of stuff. And what really happened is I sat there waiting for my part to go. All these people came on stage sharing about this person that had passed away, Lorna. Sumi. She'd, she'd passed away recently. She's with Jesus right now. But they shared about her life And as I'm listening to everybody share about this woman's life, I'm sitting there taking notes on how to be a better Christian, how to be more hospitable, how to be more generous, how to like be more humble. And I'm just going, oh my gosh, I can learn from every single player on the team. And I'm at this funeral and it's not about me blessing other people. I'm sitting there getting blessed and I'm going, I'm getting blessed by someone that's not even here physically with us anymore. She's with Jesus and she's teaching me life lessons. I got to value my team and every single player on the team. You guys get what I'm trying to say? And then listen to this, because then I go, and here's a couple more, more people I had to deal with in the past week or so that I learned lessons from. Remember when I got in the car crash the other week and I banged into someone's car and I had to call the guy back and said, can I pray for you? You guys remember? And he's like, no thanks, and hung up, yeah. Well, I knew the story wasn't over because Romans 8, 28 says, God uses all things to work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Even in the car crash, God, you better show me something good that was worth me doing that for, right? So I, I got the little lesson with calling someone, stepping out in faith, but the story continued. I went and I got an estimate for my car. What's it gonna cost? Insurance and Geico, you know, and I went over there down in Kanyoi and I went over there and I was all bummed. I gotta get my car, you know, estimated. And and what happens is I show up in the office and who's working there is one of my team members, another Christian, another person from this church. So I was all excited and she starts asking me stuff about uh, the Daniel fast. We were starting the Daniel fast or we were in it. And so I start like thinking, oh, okay, I'm gonna help her and, and say stuff to her. And then after a little while, as I was talking, I just shut up and I listened like Tom told us to do last week, right? I just listened. And 
she was gushing about how excited she was about doing the Daniel fast. They've never done something like this before, but they just love Jesus and they're trying to press in. And in this simple innocence, just going, where should I read in the Bible and what's good? And, and I, I walked away from there feeling blessed and encouraged and brought back to the simple love and excitement of being a Christian and seeking Jesus Christ. And I walked out of there like going, I just had to have my car estimated. It's going to cost me money. I don't even care. This is good. Why? Because I got people in my life that are teaching me lessons all the time. God blessed me with the family of God. So then I go over to the body shop because I got to take my truck in to get worked on. And I'm thinking, oh, there goes money and everything. Who do I run into? Another team member, another woman in the church. She's going on and on about the women's conference and how great it's going to be and all this stuff. Then she starts telling me things she's learned in her marriage recently. And she goes, you should probably go away with your wife and have a little quiet time once in a while. It really did this for us. I'm like, we're doing that. That's awesome. That's confirmation. In July for our anniversary, we're getting away and we're doing, and so it's like building up my marriage. And this is the cool thing. When you realize the value of your team members, everybody has something to share with you in your life and you have something to give to other people. So then she also gave me a discount on my body work, which is always win. Yeah. Cool. Getting discount, right? Then the guy that picks me up from the, the rent-a-car place to take me to get my rent-a-car for a couple days while my truck's being walked on, worked on, he goes, you look familiar. I go, yeah, I'm, I'm Carl. He goes, yeah, Carl Moore, pastor. Yeah, I remember you from like 10 years ago. I did ministry with you. Oh, you're awesome. You're doing this great stuff in the church. And he's honoring me and he's blessing me. He gives me a discount. Thank you, Lord, right? <laughs> but I get to encourage him, invite him back to church. He hasn't been in church in a while. So I'm like, wow, this is the team working. Then someone else I meet in the car as we're going, she messed up her car as well. She goes, hey, I'm new to the island and I'm in the military. And she's sharing me all these amazing goals that she's been setting in her life and things that she's been doing and all this. And I'm so being inspired about how to set goals. And then she goes, oh, and by the way, I hear you're a pastor. I've been on an island. I haven't found a church. Could I check out your church? I'm like, yes, here's my card, you know? And I'm just thinking, this is the team working at its finest that everywhere I go, it's not a matter of you're a pastor or you're this. You're just someone that I met, but because of Jesus, same heart, same mind, same purpose, we're going in the direction and you're strengthening me as I get to strengthen you. Are you guys hearing me? The, 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 the team is all around us. And then I just want to end with this as I went to some friend's house for dinner the other night and just going there was a blessing because these are people that love us. They support us. They love our family. They fed us a really good meal. They love the church. And I'm just going, man, hospitality. I love my team. I love my church. The daughter teaches um, high school classes at Kamehameha High School, right? And she teaches the Ecclesia class. And which that class is all about is spiritual growth. And she basically gets to talk about Jesus in this class. And so she gets to preach. She's teaching. Got a room full of students and students are you know, doing their own thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's teaching about Jesus is the light in the darkness. And she uses the example that I taught a few weeks back about the rats swimming in the darkness. You guys remember that one? The rats are swimming in water, but it's all dark and they can't see and they have no hope and they, they give up and they drown really fast. But you turn one little light on in the midst of that darkness and they last for days and days and days because there's hope. I might be getting somewhere. There's light at the end of the tunnel, right? She's sharing with that to her class who's all, you know, high school kids kind of like, yeah, whatever, right? She says, right, you know, we just need this, this light in the darkness. That's all, it, that's all we need. And right then, all the lights went out. Boom in the whole class, and one spotlight came on her. Boom. And they went out in the whole school. It wasn't like she had planned this or anything. It was the whole school just had a light right exactly when she says, and we just need the light that shines in the darkness. And like, boom, everything goes down, light on her. Suddenly, all the kids are like this. <laughs> she didn't even plan it, but she ran with it. She's like, yeah, that's right. You know, she stepped up. 
And she goes, and what a crazy coincidence that it went out right when I said that and went out across the whole campus. But she goes, I bet you that there's at least one person in there that had that had an effect on their life. I'm thinking that whole class is going to remember that the rest of their life. That you're talking about Jesus, the light of the world shining in the darkness. That just happens. They're blown away. They're going to remember that for the rest of their life. And you know what? I walked out of that conversation going, I love my team. I love people that are standing up for Jesus, that God is real in people's lives and he's moving. And God, this Christian life, it takes teamwork. And I'm going to support my team. I'm going to protect my team at all costs. And I'm going to gladly embrace this team that you've given me, God. Thank you for my team. Is that a good word this morning? Let's, uh, let's bow our heads and we'll get you guys out of here. Lord, we love you, and you are the team captain. You're the coach. You're the owner of the team. You are our God, our Father, and we're just your kids, and we're so thankful for who you are and what you do in our lives. Lord, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for the part that every single member has to play in my life. No matter if they just found you yesterday or they've known you for 40 years, Lord, there's always something that we can learn from one another. That's why we're on this team together in the family of God. Thank you for that, Father. Help us to be people that would jump in and participate and be on the team and lift up the team and not be a bystander or a bench warmer. But Lord, we get in the game daily. We look around us and that we would invite people to lunch with us that we don't know, that we would hang out and we'd go out of our way to talk to people, that we would pray for people. Lord, even the little exercise we did in the beginning of service, just praying for other people, Lord, that feels good. And we want more of that in our lives. But Lord, we realize that to have those kind of friends, we need to be that kind of friend. So Lord, help us to be team players and to get in there and, and just embrace and support and, and have the hard talks and ask the hard questions if necessary. Because God, we just want to protect this team that, that is so valuable to your heart and valuable to one another. And if there's anybody in the room here tonight, you came and you like what you hear. You like the message of Christianity that what God is all about is he's all about love, loving relationship with him and loving relationship with other people and that we could love this world and make a difference and we could bring other people onto the team as well. Well, maybe you're someone who's here this morning and you've never really made a commitment to God. You've known about him or you've heard of him, but you've never really taken the step to say, yes, I wanna be on the team. I wanna be a Christian. I wanna know Jesus. I wanna know that my life is now lived for you and your purposes. And if that's something that you'd like to do right now, just to make yourself in the right place with God, to join the team, see what it's all about, the family of God and what, what God could do in your life through what he did with Jesus on the cross and out of the grave. If you're willing to take a step towards him, a step of faith to see what he has for you, I'd love to say a simple prayer with you right here, right now. And the, the prayer is gonna be done by me speaking the words out loud. I'm not gonna ask you to pray them out loud right now because that's probably scary in a room of people full of people this size, but that you would agree in your heart the words that I'm saying, you'd make this your prayer to God this morning. And when you do that and you understand what you're praying, he's going to meet you there. And as you begin to follow him, your life will change as you become part of the team and, and have his influence and his love and power in your life. Things are going to get better and you have freedom and you have eternity in, in Christ in heaven. And so if that's what you'd like to do and you'd like to say that prayer with me, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I'm just going to ask real simply that you'd raise your hand. And let me know that you want to pray that prayer with me to, to follow Jesus, to join his team today. Then I'll pray out loud. You pray quietly and we'll get this thing going and God's going to begin to change your life. So if that's what you like to do, everybody's got their eyes closed and their heads bowed. But on three, would you let me know that you want to pray that with me? One, two, three. Would you hold your hands up real high? If there's anybody here, say, I see one, two, three, four people. Good. I see you. I'm looking around. Anybody else? Five, someone over here. Amen. This is good stuff. Six right here. Awesome. Saw about six people in the room today. If I didn't see you, don't worry. God saw you. Put your hand out. 
pray this with me in your heart of hearts to God. God, I'm here today and um, I recognize my need for you. Tired of living life by myself on my own. Lord, I want to be a part of the team. I want to know that you love me and you've got a plan for my life. And Lord, I've been living for myself. And Lord, I want to know without a doubt that as I begin to live for you, that good things are going to happen. Lord, I believe the gospel message that Jesus came down to this earth and he went to that cross to pay the price for my separation from you, God, for my living my life on my own. So Lord, I accept what you did as you paid the price to bring me back into relationship with, with you, that you died on that cross, that you paid the penalty for my separation and my rebellion from you. And Lord, not only did you pay the price, but Jesus, you rose from the, the grave on the third day to prove that you are God, that you have power over death, but also over my sin and my guilt and my wrongdoing and my rebellion. So Lord, I received the payment that you paid for me. From this day forward, I believe in you and I will follow you. Lord, as I join your team, as I read my Bible, as I get to church, as I become water baptized, just to symbolically show what's happening to me as I die to myself and I'm a new creation in you. Lord, as I receive the power and the help of your Holy Spirit in my life, I need some help here. Lord, I believe you and I, I trust you that you're gonna help me. Lord, everything that you have in store for me right now, my answer is yes. From here on out, I choose you. Your, your life, your purpose is in me. Thank you for letting me be part of this amazing team. And Lord, I ask for you to just carry me all the days of my life into eternity. And in Jesus' name, the church says, amen. Can we praise God for those people this morning? Unreal.